going? You know what, David's going really well this week. Yeah, really enjoyable. Um, the only thing that was a bit of a, a change was I had to get the big coat out today. Yeah, I went to watch a coach last night. Uh, I had my shorts on. I think you've got to try and keep them on as long as possible, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to try and beat the uh, the postman. Um, so I, I went and watched a, a coach, though, and I, I looked out and I thought, oh, no, big coat. So, uh, yeah, that was the first uh, time, which is not bad, really, is it, for mid-October. No. Um, exactly. You know, so I was quite pleased with that. But it was nice to go and watch a coach on the grass last night, give them some ideas, some pointers about what they could do slightly different. So uh, I do uh, enjoy that element of, uh, you know, supporting coaches. And it's it's nice just to um, see a coach embrace it and enjoy it. So how about yourself? You've been watching any of the cricket or I, I haven't really caught up with it? I've caught some of it. I uh, saw some of the highlights from England, um, but I'd see Australia got smashed today. Uh, What's going on with nice Australian sport? I the don't rugby, know. They got trounced. <laughs> it's I mean, let's hope that we uh, we do a number on them in this friendly coming up in the England game. Um, yeah, that would be good. Smashed in that as well. Yeah. I I wouldn't get too concerned though. Uh, it's no. quite nice to see, you know. What I mean? so. It's their cycle, isn't it? I think these things happen in cycles. Uh, you know, and it seems like they're having a dip, which is interesting because I've I've played sport with Aussies. I don't know if you have, and I've mm. always found them super competitive. Yeah, uh, and you think, well, I can't see that's just faded away. So. What's no. happening? You know, what's happening to Australian sport? Maybe we need to get uh, someone from Australia. You know, not Kelly Cross. We've had uh, Kelly's on. I do know yeah. a guy called Mark Upton who, who used to work for the English Institute for Sport. He he might be uh, interested and be able to give us some insights, um, which would be fascinating to try and see what's going on down there. But uh, enough of future guests. Uh, yeah. We've got a, a present guest here with us tonight. And... Um, it's a, it's a young man who's come through us from, you know, speaking to Sammy Lander and saying to Sammy, you know, can you recommend someone? And, and, and Sammy kindly did. So it's always nice for us to get an, another guest through a guest that's already been on. So, Luke, it, it's it's amazing to have you on. Uh, welcome to this evening. How are you? I'm very well, gents. How are you? Yeah, good, yeah, thank good. You. Yeah. Um, so, um what we always ask our guests to do, just to help our listeners get an understanding of who they are, where they've come from, is just to give us a bit of background into, uh, you know, what's brought you to where you are today and what are the things that you're most interested in. So I don't know if you listened to Sammy's one. You know, it was quite a, a good one around his, uh, his niche, what he's interested in for substitutes. So you can go back as far as you want and start wherever you want. And uh, then myself and Dave would just try and pick your brains and... Uh, Try and help yeah. us and our listeners understand even more about who you are and what you're trying to achieve. So uh, welcome and uh, over to you. Thank you very much, gents. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, and obviously, thank you, Sammy, for the uh, recommendation. I don't know if it's because you don't know many people or um, he values me highly. I don't know which one, but I'm sure he might be listening in at some point. Um, so, yeah, I'm one of the youngest head of recruitments around in non-league at the moment. Um, I started my well at the minute. I'm still at Hungerford Town. Um, sadly, we got relegated last year, but I only come in in, in January and, and was left with a very tough job and, and almost thrown in the deep end, which I'll expand on later. I'm also a first team scout for, for Stockport County as well, so uh, that's where my journey is at at the moment. Um, if I throw it all the way back, um, I'm from Norfolk, um, born and bred. Um, so I grew up there, 
and anyone that knows Norfolk, you normally born there, you live there, you, you stay there, you, you have kids there. That's just a general gist of, of Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many opportunities there. You know, it's a bit bit like Sammy in the regard, but it's, it's kind of just a village in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, very limited opportunities, um, just in general jobs, uh, very seasonal. Um, especially for football, it was never really on the agenda from a young age. I, uh, I used to play. It was never really that good, so never had aspirations to be a pro. Um, I knew that early on. I played your typical Saturday Saturday league, Sunday league, grassroots football. Um, wasn't really exposed to high-level coaching at that time, so it never really was something that clicked that I wanted to do. Um, I never really got exposed to it, so never really improved as a player. just kind of played because I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm absolutely sports mad, always have been from a young age. Cricket, football. I've just got into my NFL. I play golf quite a lot now. Um, anything that's on telly, rugby World Cup, anything I, I watch from a young age, I've always just had an interest. Um, you know, rather than sit on an Xbox, I used to just go out and, and play football, put, you know, put your jumpers down as goalposts and, and have a kick around, you know, the old school. So, yeah, that's, that was generally my, my gist, my upbringing. Um, I went to college. I did a level three extended diploma in sport. Um, when I finished that, I never really wanted to go to university because I always thought debt, debt, debt. I never really un- understood university <laughs> and how the whole system worked. So to me, it was kind of like a red flag and a no-no at that time. That was just where the he- my headspace was. So yeah, generally, um, I left college. Um, I got a good grade at college um, in sport. Um, never really knew that I wanted to go into football at that point. You know, I was, I was about 17, 18. Um, I saved up. Um, I went to Australia and I travelled for for a year. Um, I went out there at 18 and a half on my own, no friends, just went backpacking for a year. Probably the best experience I ever had kind of made me grow up as a man, you know, improve my independence. Um, it's, it's a stage of my life I look back on with, with fondness and I, I recommend to anyone that, that wants to do it, just go do it. It's a simple process. Um, so yeah. And then I come back, I come back with no money, no job, no, no car or anything. Cause I come back with nothing. Um, and then, yeah, I got a job as a, just a lifeguard, really. Um, when I worked my way up to assistant manager at, at 19 in a, in a leisure centre, like a holiday park, because like I said, Norfolk doesn't have many jobs there. So, you know, it is one of the few jobs that you could have uh, and it's kind of all year round in some cases. So, yeah. And then when I did that, I just, I've always had a liking for football. You know, as silly as it is, I used to, you know, I was like any other teenager playing FIFA a lot. Um, and all I ever used to do on FIFA, which I'm sure other people do, is just cre- keep creating career modes. And all I want to do is recruit, recruit, recruit. That's all I did. I never actually played the career. I just skipped to the transfer windows because I was so interested in just recruiting players. And yeah, and then really it built because I'm a Peterborough United fan. I'm sure I don't know if there's many followers or you've had many on here that are Peterborough United. But um, many, yeah, not many yeah. posh fans. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the problem is no one gives you stick because no one's really that bothered about them, really, yeah. in the sense. So <laughs> I kind of get away with it. Um, apart from last year when we lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs when we were four 0 up on aggregate, you know, the kind of kept the laughing stock of English football a little bit for a while, but I think it's forgotten about now. Um, but yeah, Peterborough are really renowned for their recruitment. Their recruitment policies, finding non-league talent, um, kind of giving them a platform and selling them on. That's kind of how the, the club uh, generates their income. Um, and yeah, that really interested me. And it was something that, you know, I was really proud of being a Peterborough fan because it's something that everyone knows Peterborough for. 
Um, you know, your Dwight Gales, your British Sunbelongers, your Ivan Tonys race recently, your George Boyds, uh, Lee Tomlin, Russell Martin, I think, come out of there. David Seaman at one point back in the day. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that have come out there and, and that really, really got me into recruitment because I was I was really intrigued by it and, and I thought it was an excellent policy. So, yeah, I, I did research. Um, weirdly, I know it's a weird story, but I was kind of actually just sat on sat on the toilet and I uh, did a bit of research into universities and what I could do in football because uh, like any other young lad, you know, you kind of have this stereotype where unless you're a pro footballer, yeah. there's no route into football so for me it was almost like an impossible pathway um so but you know nothing's impossible and i kind of looked into it and i found the football studies course in southampton um i literally applied because i knew i had the grades from college um and then yeah i went for an induction an open day and then i you know i just went for it um and then yeah really that's that's where i started my journey i, I went to university I, I studied for three years i did a football studies degree in solent um anyone out there i recommend it if if you that's a pathway you want i know sammy went to university in, in a slightly different route um but yeah football studies it taught me a lot about the football industry that, that i didn't know um and it kind of gives you a bit of a support network because it's you know everyone at the university knows different clubs you know they're in partnership with saints etc so for someone that's kind of lost i didn't know how to just get my foot in the door um in terms of getting into the football industry and it kind of gave me that comfort zone to be able to go to university study it learn about it and try and network and get myself into a club so that's really where you know my background so hungerford um where is that again that's close up to where you're from isn't it isn't it around norfolk sort of area i'm sure i drove through no. there going to Peter, not, Peter, no. where is it your geography is, is terrible it is awful where is where's hungerford it's uh, berkshire yeah it's Where? it's near it's it's kind of between reading and swindon isn't it yeah yeah oh, it's it? yeah a bit, a bit south of that but like in between southampton in between the two kind of thing okay. was it it'd be like junction on the m4 is it like junk i'm trying to think so junction is it 13 yeah, it's on the way to well, reading. yeah i can't uh, yeah it's some, yeah it's 13 like yeah because it's yeah. when you go up the m is it the m5 oh, I'm m4 four. m4 i've been in southampton yeah. years i still don't know but Go up the M4 and basically, yeah, it just turn off and then it takes you around. It's it's quite yeah. rural to say the least. So, yeah. So, how did you get that opportunity to go in there yeah. and become their head of recruitment? You know, National League South, yeah. good level. You know, especially if yeah. they um, drop out and then drop back up. The money yeah. in that sort of um, you know area. We look at Wrexham, obviously they had mm. plenty of money uh, in there. Um, so, how did you get that opportunity in there? So I actually just, um, I actually was on LinkedIn um, and I was reaching out to, to loads. So I just connected with random head of recruitments like in the area because obviously mm -hmm. I wanted to get involved in, in some scouting capacity. Um, and I literally just reached out to the Hungerford head of recruitment. Obviously I've done research uh, where the area was, if it was close enough to Southampton that I could, you know, be connected with the club. Um, and then the guy turned around and said, look, we've got no, not many live scouting opportunities. However, we are looking for a technical scout um obviously it was a different head of recruitment at the time so i just went yeah you know, you know i'll be really really interested in that because it allows me to do the studies and i don't really have to commute so much mm -hmm. um so yeah i had a phone interview with him i also produced a few reports um you know i do my own background on players so i showed him etc obviously i don't really have much experience at the level do you know what i mean you look at the, the football league necessarily or you know i wasn't going out myself 
so yeah i just applied he gave me the the technical role um he was just sending me players going look can you look at these can you look at these couple of weeks um and then yeah i was doing it the manager was really pleased with what i was doing i recommended a few players we brought them in they've done really well um then the head of recruitment moved on um he got another opportunity elsewhere um and the manager just had a phone call with him uh bearing in mind i've only been doing the role two months and he just went look um you're basically the, the next in line, but I can get someone else. But from what you've been doing, I know you're knowledgeable. You've got your stuff. Would you like the role? For me, in January, when I come in, we were like 10, 12 points adrift of safety. And that this was only in January. So we were really struggling. Mm. We couldn't really find any goals. Um, and if I'm honest, I had no networks. I knew no one. I knew no one in any football clubs for loans. I knew no players at non-league football. So to me, it was a complete haul in the deep end. Um so I've gone from two months, maybe probably a month and a half of doing technical role to all of a sudden the head of recruitment at National South, which some people don't even get to in their careers. So it's yeah. for me it's a huge opportunity, but at the same time it was scary because I'm being thrown in somewhere. I have no networks um, or anything. And some people have been waiting for that opportunity for a long time. And to be 12 points adrift, I thought, you know, if we get relegated, it reflect really bad on me. But then, you know, I kind of, slapped myself in the face and went, look, this is an opportunity not many people get. So just take it, do what you can do, um, and then see where it goes. So, yeah, that's 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 how it came about. I suppose one question that jumps up immediately is, yeah. obviously, you went from zero, shall we say, to, to well, 100 miles an hour in a very short amount of time. How did you, as you say, you didn't have a network or you didn't have the contacts. How did you... I suppose get around that or catch up that quickly it was it was tough because obviously at the same time i'm studying as well and i'm working yeah. um so yeah it was it, i'll be lying i've said it was easy and it was one of them where i kind of just had to find my feet really quickly um because you know the managers are you know we need a striker we need this we need that and i'm just like oh my god you know i'm, I'm new to this i don't know anyone so linkedin was a massive tool for me so i just connected with so many people on linkedin i was i was just getting agents in there uh, i literally bought premium because i was like i need this like this, you know and then i just got got that i signed up to transfer room i don't know if you've heard of it it might have been dropped in there a few mm. times so i was just trying to get everything available to me y scout um which the university provided me um so yeah it was just a matter of networking so hard on linkedin and reaching out um and just doing so much research on players um yeah, it all fell into place eventually, but I'd be lying if I said it it wasn't tough to kind of try and learn everything in the sake of literally a few weeks to, to get players in. Well, I imagine other lads, like you said on FIFA, uh, who have been interested in the recruitment and um, the transfer window side. Talk us through, I mean, I don't know if it's private, um, you know, sort of knowledge, but what's the sort of process you go through where you go, well, actually... Um, we need the striker, like you've, you've outlined there. Yeah. You know, what's what's the process that you go through to try and find someone? Imagine if I'm a seasoned pro or someone who's decent and uh, a young lad who's just, you know, been thrown at the deep end is, is, is approaching me. You've got to sort of win me over and say, look, I'm head of recruitment at Hungerford. We're interested in taking you. You know, you've almost got to pitch it to me a little bit. I know the, the, the rest of the club will do it as well. So... What sort of yeah. things have you learned in that period about what's important when, um, uh, you know, adopting this role, I suppose? 
Yeah, so it, it was difficult because at the same time, um, obviously the old head of recruitment kind of built up his own network. So as soon as I'm reaching out to people, they're like, oh, is, is he not there anymore? And I'm mm. like, oh, no, sadly, I've taken over and, you know, they've never heard of me. So, you know, luckily, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm quite good in terms of like meeting people. I'm, I'm quite nice like that face value. So a lot of the time I was just trying to ring people and just, you know, try and get, you know, my personality across. And and to be fair, the, the club itself, Hungerford, kind of sold itself. So it was actually fairly OK. Um, mm. And everyone was actually quite receptive. You know, not a lot of people did turn around and be like, oh who are you? Are you sure you had a recruitment or something? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, a lot of it, the manager helps because the manager's kind of risen up from like step six. So he's one promotion at like each level. So everyone you kind of reach out to network wise knows the gaffer anyway. Um, so that kind of really, really, you know, helped me in terms of when I was reaching out, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a tough one. Um, but, you know, agents, I always say, you know, like I apologize if some are listening, um, but they're like dodgy salesmen. So you, it's it's tough because you get pitched so many players. And I mean, so many, I get so many random messages, you know, and some of the lads that have played have been at about eight different clubs in one year. And, you, you know, it's just red flags. So you just have to have your wits about you in terms of, you know, be sensible and who you're going to recruit. Because sometimes, you know, if you get players in from the manager early on, who are absolutely stinking the manager's gonna go oh like who's this guy so once you get that first player in that does well it settles the nerves and you know you're on the right track and you just have to believe that what you see and what you feel is is correct and what you i suppose what are you making decisions on like are you getting like are those dodgy agents giving you like show reels of like goals just being banged in you know saves for uh, yeah what what are you actually going to see the players or are you taking what I don't know, you know, are you getting these, uh, I was going to say videotapes coming through the yeah. post, but I think that's probably uh, about 20, 30 years ago. So, so yeah, well, not the not quite the video videos through the post. Yeah, not quite that. Yeah. You have to put the old tape in and stuff. No, not like that anymore. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be surprised. A lot of it is highlight reels because, you know, I can't believe, I can't be a million places at once. So yeah. we didn't really have a scouting network in place for me to go, right, you there, you there, you there. It's kind mm. of a, like the, the actual recruitment system at Hungerford was probably a little bit disjointed and, in, in, you know, they probably won't mind me saying that. Um, so it was literally, I was kind of just on my own. I was kind of a bit of a lone wolf. You know, I had the manager there a little bit, but, you know, he was, he, he obviously wanted players in. Um, so a lot of the agents just send you highlight reels. And to me, mm. one thing I actually picked up um, pretty quickly <clears> from a bit of advice and things I read, um, in a highlight reel, if there's loads of different highlights from different games, it means that they're not doing it enough in one game. So if you watch mm. a highlight reel and they've done, I don't know, eight to ten actions or whatever really well in one game, you know that they, they're they actually, you know, completing the skill multiple times in a game, not just, oh, they did it once. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, they yeah. hit, a, hit a diag once in one game and then it switched to another game. It's like, you know, you know that clearly the player's not doing it enough. So that's just little things that you pick up on and, if I'm honest, I don't really watch highlight reels too much because I, I, I just take it from face value. I did a lot of research, you know, a lot of background. You know, why scout at that level actually doesn't really help a lot because it doesn't really go below probably step. Mm. Or probably doesn't really go below National League South. And even National League South is is pretty pretty vast as well. So a lot of it is just intuition. You know, like Twitter, Twitter weirdly enough helped me a lot because, you know, you can see the commentary on you can see videos and you can see fans' opinion. 
um and you can also watch clips on them as well or you know why scout helps but yeah the highlight reels are, are there to make players look good so you just have to be very careful you don't fall into the trap of going oh yeah he looks good and then get him in because you know to me the, the saying that i live by in recruitment um is recruitment is ultimately a gamble but it's about minimizing the risk you know like when real madrid signed jude benningham i know it's different to hungerford but you know there's no guarantee he's going to come in and hit the ground running there's no, there's never a guarantee in recruitment that a player is going to come in and do well it's about minimizing the risk of what they're going to do so the lower the fee the the lower the risk you know the higher the fee the more the risk but then if they're proven they're proven you know so it's mm. just something i live by so you know um i signed a lad probably my first sign i believe um david Bramang from crawley town um he got released and we needed a striker um, and I think he'd been at Barnsley, he'd been at Coventry, like in and around their first team. They fought a lot of him. Um, and he got released and he needed a club. Um, and I was I was trying for weeks to get him. And I just knew, you know, he's he's got a good pedigree. You know, clearly people have fought a lot of him. Um, and we really needed a striker at the time. And, and he was actually the first guy that I got in the door and a striker. But I just had that intuition. I knew he was going to do well. You know, like, yeah, it was still a gamble. You know, there's no guarantee he's going to mm. come and score goals. You know, and... You know, that best feeling for me was he come in, he scored scored six in six games and then sadly tore his MCL because if he mm. if he would have carried on, we would have I actually think we would have stayed up. I really positive we stayed up. We actually got out of relegation zone because of his goals. Um and sadly it just he got injured and, and it just didn't happen. But you know, there's no better feeling in recruitment when a player comes in and it and it pays off. Um for me. It might have been luck, it might it might have just been minimizing the gamble, it might have just been good intuition. So well, you mentioned obviously FIFA at the beginning, but yeah. I know I'm thinking this, and I'm sure some of our listeners will be. Football manager. Now, that is obviously <laughs> the go-to kind of well, it's it's a football management game, but you hear these rumors that managers are using it to scout players. Yeah. Um, are you using football manager <laughs> to find <laughs> players as well? <laughs> um sadly not because it doesn't really like stretch too far to our level i was gonna say um, yeah it's not got the coverage <laughs> but, at the lower leagues yeah but what i will say is it when you play the game it does plant seeds in your head in terms of like their ability on there and and etc so yeah. you you can't help as a manager but recognize players because of football manager like it's yeah i you know i know the big one i had a talk with him the other day um the one that's at rems in uh in france obviously he's, yeah. he's the big one that come out and said he plays it yeah. um but yeah i'm sure if i was higher up it might help in terms of knowing names etc but yeah again i played football manager and i know fifa's a small thing but it just yeah. pointed in a direction that i knew i wanted to do recruitment because it, again football manager was one of them i just did it because i wanted to sign different players and, and recruit that's just all i did so but i am sure um it is used more than people probably let on <laughs> yeah i think it is as well i know like and i'm probably showing my age here but when it was championship manager there yeah. was a lot so they had i think after championship manager two they started using a full scouting network to 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 um to create the the the, the rating the score you know like the the, the yeah. player profiles and stuff like that and there was a lot of rumors like late 90s early 2000s that there were managers that were actually using that data to make kind of i'm not saying they may have signed anyone on it but to actually send scouts out to 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 monitor players 
based on that. Now I'm a, I'm assuming I haven't played football manager for ages, but I'm assuming the the accuracy of that data has got a lot better since then. So again, it's a natural progression that it's it's a tool that, <laughs> that I think some professional managers are using. The thing is, or, you're probably or, not wrong. Yeah, you're probably not yeah. wrong. I actually think football manager maybe even have their own scouts that work for. Yeah. Was it Sartside or is it? Did they invent the game? I don't. I don't. I'm not. It's, really it's these two brothers that work. They own like it's Sports Interactive, and then they keep changing like who publishes yeah. the game. So I think like. I think football managers it was with Sega, wasn't it? But I think it yeah, might yeah. be going somewhere else. But it was uh, originally Championship Manager, it was like EDOS that used yeah. to sponsor Man City. But they had I'm trying to remember who they had a professional player that advised them on um on how like the scoring on the players. I can't remember who it was, it was someone quite well known. And then it just escalated from there. And then they and then it kind of got ridiculous because then they started like it wasn't just obviously initially it was like England and then they did it across Europe. And then obviously what we've got now with football manager is just like, it's just like a player database, um, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I suppose the aim of the game, like what they try mm. and do every year, same with FIFA is to make it more realistic. You know, when you play yeah. the game, you want it to be as realistic as possible. So I'm sure yeah. they do their research and data and stuff and actually want to get it as accurate and spot on as possible. So it's probably, probably why, clubs maybe do use it because it's almost like a, a cheat code where if they've done their research properly you know you can you can actually see these these talented players on there i guess well, exactly exactly <laughs> so let's think well as you you know as hopefully you can take hunting for town into the uh into the foot into the league and that's when you can start using football manager <laughs> i was more annoyed i was never on there the old head of recruitment was on there but because i really go down to national south but um yeah i never the game never updated and uh, you know, i don't know we need to speak to about that but i know we're probably not on there anymore we're not in national south but yeah <laughs> when me and dave first started podcasting um we were very much into ai and um, that's where we would discuss things so where do you see ai playing a part in in yeah. recruitment in the future um because i imagine with the data that's available um, you could definitely set an AI off to, you know, sort the wheat from the chaff based on your criteria of what you're looking for. Is that something you've considered or heard of or not just yet? <clears throat> uh, I haven't really. No, to be fair. I mean, it's a pretty interesting point. I've never really given it uh, much thought. Um, I just feel like it's scouting is just so traditional, right? You know what mm. I mean? Like live scouting is so traditional. So you go to games and you, you generally take notes. You know, it's what they did back in the day and it's still doing now. So I just, I don't know how far AI will go. Um, obviously, you say AI, mm. AI um, technical scout roles are now getting more prominent. So I see lo loads that um, clubs are now looking for technical scouts. It's, it tends to be the new in in terms of using technology. Um, so maybe AI will be something where it, it, it turns up data. You know, you can maybe insert, you know, you, you're looking for, how many progressive passes, etc., and it will just search through data databases like Y Scout, etc., or maybe make their own data. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe that maybe that'll be a, a good route it may go down. Um, mm. But yeah, technical roles are definitely becoming more prominent. I've, I've definitely noticed that. I suppose with well, like anything where they're talking about the use of AI is is where you have got a lot of data, where you can then kind of tackle such big amounts of data or what they call like data pools. 
where you could actually just attack that data and then use that to kind of bring up summaries of in the so in the case of scouting i suppose is to to kind of narrow your search like in terms of obviously what you're looking at like what is your what pool are you pulling from is it just in the uk or do you go across europe or the world what what is your focus i suppose so this is the thing right i i actually think i've probably got one of the hardest jobs in, in recruitment in terms of there's no player exposure um in terms of the catchment area the the player pool is so small you know like mm. we're, we're not close enough to london almost to recruit from from london clubs because players don't want to be driving a ridiculous amount of hours uh we don't put up accommodation we are only a part-time club mm. um we can't recruit from abroad again because we can't we can't house people etc we don't pay enough in wages we probably yeah. got one we in national league south we were in there for i don't know five six years i, I believe around that and we, we were punching above our weight for a long time in terms of you know fan base in terms of area in terms of budget um so yeah i actually think you know my job at times I, I do sit there and think it's near on impossible sometimes because there is actually quite a few clubs around us but then there's also not that many players in the area if you if you mm. get what i mean so it's almost like we're all, we're all fighting for the same place who's who's your main rivals is it like was it um swindon supermarine someone like yeah. that or yeah, so they're in our league yeah. now yeah and we've got like yeah. like bath etc yeah um, but yeah it's very vast because obviously we're technically like southwest i believe but we're, so yeah we go all the way to like plymouth at times because that's they're kind of in that area so yeah, you're in a quite vast. I, I, yeah, you're in a weird position because yeah. you're not. You're kind of West Country, but then you're also kind of. I don't know. It you're there if that makes sense. Really, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. And even like if you're playing against teams like you say in the West Country, yeah. like it's still a hell of a drive if you've got to go and play like teams in Devon or is it? Have you got any teams in Cornwall? Um, I don't know because when you go to um. Ishmanian Prem, which we're in now, yeah. um, the leagues are split up a little bit more. Whereas yeah. Nashville, South and North is literally just a, a direct split between yeah. the UK. So even North teams are probably worse off because we've got Gloucester, for instance, who are literally, uh, I don't even think they're far from us, like mm. 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and they're in National League North, right? And they play teams up in, up in Manchester. Yeah, so, so they've got even further to go than we have. Mm. Um, we so this, I think, in National South, they've got Western Supermare, I believe. Yeah, I believe that is like right in the corner, <laughs> like Plymouth Way, Devon Way. So, again, if we were in that league, that's probably one of the furthest we would go. And we've also got like Essex teams the other side of London, but again, the north is probably a hell of a lot worse than than we are. But you know, we are fortunate enough that we're coming down rather than going up because there's definitely less space going down. <laughs> yeah, even on that side, it's quite a spread. And especially yeah. for a part-time team, you've got limited resources. Um, so, like, I don't know, like, I, it's it's no surprise that some some teams are struggling in terms of to just survive, really. I, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's a lot with the players, because it's only part-time, so the players all work. They all have their own job. Yeah. Um, so... You know, there's been so many times I've reached out to players to recruit them. And, yeah, they are interested, but they can't get the time off work or they can't finish work and get to training. They can't. They don't want to travel for games because it's a lot. And I understand and yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges as well, because, you know, they are guys. They have to feed their families. They have to know they've got mm. income coming in. Their main source of income is their full time jobs, not us. 
you know, we don't pay enough for them to get, quit their jobs and come play. Yeah. You know, so, so and most of the players, like I suppose, and this is always, I've always wondered about this. I, I have followed a lot of normally football and I've never yeah, really yeah. found this out, but it, do most of the players for the team, are they pretty local or do, like what, how, what's the furthest any player comes to, to, I suppose, to play and, and train? So we have a couple of lads, I've, I think of the furthest, who live in Crawley. All right. Um, so they cool. live kind of that way, which is like yeah. southwest London. So that's probably like the, yeah. the furthest we can recruit, really, because they're kind of in that mm. area, like just a bit past Reading, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's probably the furthest. But last year we had we had a lad called Dylan Adjihersi on loan from AFC Wimbledon. Um, and he was coming from there, which is kind of central London, really. Yeah. Like central London. So... They, he was coming from there, which is probably a two-hour drive. Um, but when you're National League South, your budget's a hell of a lot more than it is now, I tell you. So, yeah. you know, we've kind of kept the policy that we're going to recruit local this year. But again, you, you you are competing with the likes of, you know, Swindon, Supermarine and teams like that. You know, they're on our doorstep. We've got uh, Chichester in there. Yeah. Um, teams like that, Sal Salis Salisbury or whatever. So, yeah. again, they're all literally on our doorstep now. Whereas National League South was actually pretty spread out. So it was actually easier to recruit as well. And it's more pulling power when you're in National League South. The, the name National League gives you so much power. Whereas when you say Ismanian Prem, you know, they're just like, yeah. you know, it's only Ismanian Prem. You know, we I, I went in for a lot of lads who were in step four that I, I scouted last year. Um, and they, they didn't want to come because they're on probably double, if not triple, the amount of money that we're actually paying. And it's nuts because you think, you're jumping up a level like that's all we can yeah. offer you for level because we can't pay a lot in wages but you'll be surprised how many are on step four step five step six are actually on the same money if not more and it's like you know, I've, heard, I've heard things about uh brett Pittman um was playing for afc porchester and apparently you know rumored or whatever like, you know enough to me but he was on between like 600 to a grand a week or something at porchester who are in step five step six to me, that's absolutely nuts. Yeah, he's an ex-pro. I know, obviously, you're a Portsmouth, Portsmouth yeah. fan. Um, and he's, I think he scored like 40, 50 goals last year. Like He, he could easily play our level, but we can't pay that. Um, so it's, 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 I think the system's absolutely mad in terms of the money, in terms of the league. It's not kind of fed down. It's sometimes it's actually being fed upwards. So, um, yeah, it's uh, really, really tough. <laughs> well, if you look at Dorking Wanderers, the guy who yeah. took over that team there, he, he he knows quite rightly better yeah. players win you promotions yeah. so if you can pay the budget which he's he's forked out a lot out of his own pocket i believe he's got better players in and then yeah. that's got in promotion and now they're in the national league and obviously yeah. you know it's competitive there the finances the budgets some of the clubs are full-time um you know so it is easier to recruit those better players i mean so what's the infrastructure like at hungerford do you have a pipeline through a youth section or is it simply you just have a senior side uh, and then you've got to recruit um, outside external to the club? Uh, yeah, so we do have a, an infrastructure. We have an under 23s. We have an under 18s. Uh, we do have a youth youth teams as well. Um, so, yeah, we do have an infrastructure there, but there's just a big gap. Like, there's, you know, we have had some under 23 lads with us this year. Um, mm. I think obviously... The lower the level, the easier it is for young lads to come in. You know, the higher the level, it's difficult. You know, you, you see it with Southampton, for example. I know I'm going off track a little, but, 
you know, they were one of the best in terms of getting youth players into their first team and, you know, Theo Walcott, etc. But the reason why they did that is because they were in League One at the time. Whereas mm. now when they're in the Premier League, it's more difficult because you're jumping up uh, bigger levels. And it's the same with us. You know what I mean? It's uh, even though, we're, you know, we are going down, we are in the Prem, it is easier to to get them in there. But again, it's, you know, we're competing with other, other teams that have also have structure around us. So it's um, different. It's difficult with the catchment area. It's not the most well populated. Um, you know, it is a bit of a trek for most people. If you're even if you're in Reading, Swindon, you know, yeah. Gloucester, Southampton, it's a bit out of the way. And then when you've got teams like powers like Reading, Swindon, Southampton, they all want to be in them academies. They don't necessarily want to come to a Hungerford or, or again, they get pinched. So yeah. you can only do so much. So it's kind of a tough it's definitely a tough one yeah it's it's a yeah it's not to dwell on the, the geography bit too much but you're <laughs> right it's 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 a weird well it's not weird but it, you're right your 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 catchment area that you've got to pick from um is quite tough like i know like i've got friends that are swindon fans and they moan about um getting players so <laughs> you know <laughs> they're it's just literally you you just don't have the pool do you in no. and that I don't know, like, do you, as, and going back to kind of what we asked before, like, like, could you ever get a player that's from within, like, you know, further afield that, that would be willing to re relocate, I suppose? Like, is that even possible, I suppose, at this level? Probably not, but it'd have to be like a lifestyle choice, I suppose. Because yeah, like changing jobs as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, they've got a family, they might have a family that, you know, their, their main income is their full-time jobs so unless they're going yeah. to relocate their full-time jobs you know we we can't literally support them with the money we pay so again it comes down to to money it's not necessarily the catchment area it's the it's the funds you know if we paid five six hundred a week you know you could live on that that's a, that's a nice wage but we, yeah. we we just we just don't you know sadly like i said our budgets are probably equivalent to steps five and six at times so it's definitely <laughs> this is kind of taking it even further. Like, if you ever thought about, I suppose, like as part of your recruitment strategy, literally a recruitment strategy, <laughs> in that working with businesses in the local area that you could recruit people that you know are also good footballers. I, do, you know, it sounds far fetched, but yeah. um, you know, I'm just thinking, like, Swindon's got, um, well, they did have uh, Honda, but that's shut down. But like, uh, <laughs> I think there's some. Isn't they make some of the mini parts and stuff like that there? So could you like start trying to find in like I don't know in the Midlands like quality non-league players that also work in car production? <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. It might be getting to that point at some point. Yeah, yeah. leaflets just going to local businesses if you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's it's funny though actually because I think um who was it? I think Chesant got relegated with us in National South, right? And mm. um, they actually put advertised out about player trials and they're obviously yeah. in Ismanian Prem but I think they're central because they're like Essex or, or north of London they've got a good pool like they're, yeah, yeah. they're kind they're of in pool, London but they actually advertise for player trials and they're still in the Ismanian mm. Prem which is what step three so it's still not a bad league and you'd feel like they would do their own recruitment right but yeah. they, they were literally encouraging people to come in and try out and that and from what I see on Twitter etc it got such a bad rep because you know, people are thinking at that level, you're offering player trials. Are you that desperate? Do you know what I mean? So you, yeah. you don't want to come across that way. You know, you want to know you've got it in hand. You know, you got know you have the pool. But like I said, if if players don't want to come to us and, and mm. play a step higher and rather do it for money, then they're not the player for us. You know, I, I just yeah. think 
if you're really serious about having a career in football, you would take the jump up in level rather than the money because it's only going to yeah. get so far. But I understand people's personal choices. You know, money is quite a lot when you've got a family. Maybe they don't aspire to be, you know, a pro footballer. That's that's entirely up to them. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one to balance for sure. So, how are you overcoming some of these challenges that you're facing, then, Luke? Because obviously, if there's other young lads or young lasses out there that are interested in becoming head of recruitment and they see the non-league pathway as a yeah. way to start off and you know get get a bit of blood on their hands, get used to it. What what sort of things are you putting in place strategy wise to go? You know what? These are the cards that have been dealt. It's it is challenging, yeah. but these are the solutions that I'm coming up with. What sort of things are you implementing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, I don't always have the answers to that. Um, but you know, at, at Hungerford, I'm just trying to give uh, scouts a chance, like like I had. You know, I reached out to a lot of clubs, and I got a lot of no's. You know, I reached out to probably like 15, 20 clubs on LinkedIn. And I probably only got two free responses, if that. So, you know, it's just trying to, I go back into my university is a big one. So obviously it's a football studies degree um, and it's giving them students a chance to come out and scout and, and trying to give them experience. And they watch what I kind of do, you know, because I was fortunate enough to get the role, but at the same time I was thrown in the deep end and some people would sink, some people would swim. And, you know, it's not for everyone. You know, I actually kind of wish I was eased in a little bit more and learned a bit more before I, I did you know, got chucked in a little bit, but you know, I am fortunate and, and happy to have the role. But yeah, I, I feel like people just got to go out there and, and, and scout, live scout. Um, you know, it is an art to sit there and, and watch 22 players on the pitch and try and take notes while the game's going on. You know, you can't tend to pause um, while you're taking notes. So that that would that would be my advice. Um, Do you just, have any coaching qualifications then? Because I suppose one of the big things for me, uh, you know, going through my coaching career, observation and analysis, you have to focus more on that uh, UA for B, UA for A level. Mm -hmm. um, and you start looking on around away from the ball. You start looking at how things connect, where it's breaking down. Um, so have you had to invest in that sort of uh, coach education as well? Or is there a different way that you look at things when you're looking at scouting someone live so yeah but obviously i'm still on my um coaching journey i'm relatively new um i've only done my level one and two i'm, I'm i want to do my ua for c but again it's just money and funds um mm. i'm still wanting to get on the fa talent id level two i've not even done that it might it might people might think jesus he's had a recruitment not even done that but you'll be surprised there ain't any courses that run i've been trying for for yonks and yonks i just can't get on them I, I, every day I'm looking, it's just they don't run enough of them. So it might be after go Scotland, Wales. But yeah, I'm still on my coaching journey. Um, I just learned it through university was a big one. Like it's they teach you so much in terms of you know the technical element and tactical element of football. And you know, just from myself watching games, I, I know I have a good USP, I know I have a good eye for it. Um and it's just it's just the knowledge of it, but again. When I do my coaching badges at CBA, it will teach me a lot more. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still not the complete article by an absolute long mile. Um, so mm. yeah, I've still got a hell of a hell of a lot to learn. But again, there's there's so many scouting courses out there. You know, it's so it's just easier to get out there and do things rather than doing all this research and sit back and play FIFA, etc. You, you know, football industry is a complete different beast when when you get involved in it. So you, you know, you just need to get real life practical skills and just get out there. You know, I volunteered. So at Hungerford, my first year, when I was head of recruitment, I wasn't paid. You know, I, I just went out and done it. It was just the pleasure of being at that club. Yeah. 
and doing what I was doing. You know, it's not always about money. It's it's about the opportunities and experiences, and you won't learn. I'm 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 a doer. I learn more when I'm hands on and doing things rather than sit back and watching. You know, I just took initiative. You know, the, the even though I was on a football studies course at university, it was no given I was going to get a job in football. You know, you, you got you got to kind of just have initiative to go out go out and do it and create them experiences. So. I think it, it's yeah. Go on, right. All I was going to say was, yeah, you've got that initiative, and actually where you were saying before about I was amazed when you said like using Twitter, obviously LinkedIn, things like that, especially like the LinkedIn kind of angle. Yeah. It's it's if what you described is similar to what salespeople do. Um, you know, that uh literally trying to find leads or or people to buy that what they're selling. It 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 it's it, I suppose in your case, you're selling yourself in that regard. But then now, once you once you've got your foot in the door, as you as you as you have described, yeah. it's now an enabler to as part of your recruitment process, which is which is fascinating. And yeah. I don't know is that is that the norm across the player recruitment field? I suppose is is that you know are others doing it this way? I have, if I'm honest, I have no idea. Um, Again, it's just it's just my own pathway, you know. I don't know if we're I'm not saying it's a bad yeah. one. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a good one. I feel I feel but, like that's just the way to go. Like social media is such a huge platform now, where you kind of have to market yourself, like, yeah. sell yourself. Like you have to do it. You know, Sammy Sammy's really good at it. You know, I see his mm. posts the way the way he integrates all these like the podcasts. He doesn't interact. Something that I really wanted to do. You know, I, I want to get my USP out there now. You know, I don't necessarily have a niche like a subs coach, but you know. It's, it's the tools that you have you know every scout sees the mm. game differently and you know it, you, yourself is almost a usp but you have to sell it because people aren't just going to go oh yeah all right you you know yeah. you're a scout it, you you just have to you just have to do it when people see on linkedin are oh, one of the youngest ones or head of recruitment at 24 25 people are going to go oh jesus like he's 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 doing all right so i don't know if it's every if, if it's for everyone but you know it it was just a tool that I used because I literally had I had nothing at the time and I just had to throw everything I had into it and just um and just commit to that. So oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying it's a bad approach. Yeah. I think it's really good. And uh, what I would say is that well, it it's got a lot of success to it because you're you've you've got yourself into a role and and also I suppose and Simon, I don't know what you think on this. It, it, where you've come from and we've had this chat with other people especially on the coaching side that don't come from a professional playing background it, yeah. it does feel like it's a disadvantage um and sure. it, it or, or maybe not a disadvantage but it's a barrier yeah. to progression yeah. um but then on the other hand if if all you're doing is saying well are you you know, I've played at this high level or, or whatever levels. It does feel like those sorts of people will rest on their laurels a bit. And if yeah. you then bring someone in that's been a bit more innovative like yourself, yeah. it does, I, I would hope it open things up a bit. You know, it's, it's yeah, I, th I think it's a good approach. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, you know, it is, it is a barrier. It is, I, I would say it is a disadvantage, you know, like these pro footballers, you know, they are good footballers, but they, they do also have an advantage and and a, a head start if you want to say um so you know people like me sammy etc and i'm sure there's others out there mm. who haven't got a football background and not necessarily skilled at playing football and haven't had a pro career that, that want to get into it and, and unsure i was so unsure and i was so hesitant thinking you know i don't have a chance in hell but you know i, I wanted to give it my all and I, I know i've got something to offer and i know i will you know 
be successful it's just you have to believe in in your process and and what you're doing is is correct i mean the biggest challenges that you can face at your level is the playing style um yeah. and if lads get released from academies where they've played on excellent pitches um yeah. you know the playing style is playing out from the back through the thirds um and then they go down to a level where they're going to get bashed up uh, yeah. you know you know those lads some of them will stick around <clears throat> But others will just go, you know, what sort of area are they training on? Is it around the back of the stand with a couple of dimly lit floodlets or are we actually training on a proper bit? Will the um, <clears throat> will the groundsman allow us on the actual pitch? Because I know being in and around that level when I was younger, you know, you went anywhere near the pitch, the groundsman's going to take your head off. So usually around the back, middle of winter, it's all churned up and you're just trying to make it fun, busy, active, make sure the lads are having a good time. Um, and that's got to be part of the attraction because you've also got to be able to pull them in, but they want to stay because the atmosphere, the ethos, um, yeah. the camaraderie is right as well. Because like you said, I think a lifestyle choice, why is Brett Pittman at Porchester? It's got to be something to do with lifestyle choice. It, yeah. The money is, is all right, but... He's got to think, you know, it's up the road for me or I don't know where he lives. But he's probably thinking it's it's enjoyable because um, how do you start to sell that, pitch that to players that you're trying to pull down? Because, you know, is Hungerford's um, ambition to get back into the, the next level, you know, that National League South? Yeah, of course. Hungerford, yeah, Hungerford want to want to get back to National South and, and see where the club goes. You know, it's tough when you only got, a small area and only a small fan base and and, and certain money being injected it, it's it's very very tough but you know as we've seen with like Luton's and etc it's not never impossible mm. um so yeah going back to your question it's um yeah it's a, it's a it's a tough industry to be fair it's it's, it's brutal um <laughs> so yeah it's not I but think that's, that's the thing yeah for, for trying to recruit it yeah. is a, a challenging one you know, like you say, where you're based, trying to get players to come down, you have to have that wider offer. Just the finances is not going to be the, the bit. And you are, I think, like Dave said, that sort of salesman. You are trying to pitch to them. You're selling this is it, the, yeah, the yeah. right place for you because yeah. we don't offer the best wages potentially. I don't know where you sit on the budget ladder in the yeah. Isthmian Prem, but it will be, you know, we do offer X, Y, Z as well. You know, I've been in football, God knows how long now, but too long. But kit, if I'm turning up and there's nice kit, training kit, you know, that's always a winner. If I've got some nice yeah. kit, if I'm going to be training in a nice facility and when I go back in, it's actually going to be warm after I've had a shower or something like that. Yeah. There's a yeah. good social so you can go into the club afterwards. And so all those elements, you know, all that is that factored in? Is that all part of your recruitment uh, pitch or your yeah. processes? Because I suppose, you know, there's a lot of skills there you you need around, mm. I'm, I'm guessing here, integrity, you know, yeah. sincerity. The person's got to buy into you credibility-wise because that's another challenge I suppose you can face is have you yeah. played X amount of games at non-league? Have you got X, Y, Z? So, when I come on to challenges, I suppose it's those bits that I'm trying to get to is how are you facing them? How are you taking them on? Because I think, you know, that that's a measure of a person in five to years, ten, five to ten years time. That will be where you reflect back and go, you know, that yeah. was the, that was the learning ground. 
that's where I, I really shaped how I've become a head of recruitment sort of thing elsewhere. Because I imagine you do have aspirations to go on above Hungerford and they're not naive enough to think that you're, you know, going to stick around at Hungerford for the rest of your life. So what sort of things are you putting in place that you're trying? I suppose this is a breeding ground. It's an opportunity to experiment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, we try and make the environment as uh, as professional as possible. You know, players want to feel like they're part of a professional setup. They want to feel like we've got good facilities. You know, they want to feel that. You know, I know if I was a player, you know, I'd like to come in the full tracksuit, the full gear. You know, you know, have nice change rooms, nice facilities, a bit of camaraderie, um, but at the same time, really professionalness. So we try. You know, the manager's very, very keen on that because it's a it's a good USP selling point of the club. Um, especially when you're competing with with others in the area. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm massive on giving young players a chance. So like going back to your point, when a you know a lot of the players we do get and, and others get in Ishant Prem etc. are dropouts from academy football. Mm. Um, I feel like you know a lot of them are still scarred from from being released etc. And I feel like they they almost not necessarily teach them wrong, but they teach they they it's all nicey nice. You know what I mean? They're used to. It being delivered in a certain way, they're used to it being all technical and time on the ball. And then when they come into you, we've had loads of lads. We had, we've had, you know, I'm not going to name names, but we've had lads from like Aston Villa and, you know, Swindon or Reading and Crawley and whatever, like, you know, around us who've come in. Um, and it's just, it's just not the same. You'd, you'd think they've come from a really good pedigree of academy and you'll be surprised how many come in and they're just not at the level. And it, and it, it baffles you as, as a recruitment because you, you could bet you almost bet your hat that they'd be good players. They're in an academy for a reason, like right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually a tougher league and actually a good standard of football that people don't realise. It's it's so physical. You know, this year we've actually gone for an older squad, more people that have been in the league, um, mm. and more experienced rather than young, which is not always my ethos. I, I prefer having young players, but the manager is very like wanted old and experienced because. But we do have a good blend, you know. Our managers very much got the experienced players in, and I've almost sprinkled a bit of young players in there because that's what I believe in. And, and I also think for myself, if I get a good young player in and they do really well and hit the ground running and go up, it's also good on my USP. So you know, you have to think of yourself as well. You know, it's you're getting players in at 29, 30, they might not necessarily go up, but for me, it's trial and error with these young lads. If I think they're good enough and get them in, and they go on to do better things. It's also a good trial and error for me to know that I'm on the right track in terms of how I think and see the game, how I see players. So, yeah, you know, there's been some you bring in that not quite worked. There have been some that you bring in and they have worked, you know, and, and the ones that you're not sure on, you always bring in for a trial with a manager. You know, it tends to be a big thing at our level. You know, bring them in going, like, I'm not going to fully commit, but look, come in, try and impress the manager. If he likes you, he'll sign you. If you don't, you don't. Because then, again, you know, recruitment's a gamble when you're trying to minimise the gamble. So, when you come in for a trial, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You're yeah. you're exploring them, and especially with academy players. Like I said, it's a huge gamble because we've seen some really bad ones. We've seen some really good ones. So, again, that's that's a process to kind of try and counteract that, and it's also good judgment for me. I know we 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 we've talked about obviously the pool that you have available to you, but yeah. obviously since the covid pandemic there has been a squeeze i suppose on the budgets it, you know like even at league level has that resulted in i don't know like a better quality of player that's being pushed down to find playing opportunities is that something you're seeing or is it, um, is it 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree, actually, because, you know, we have had some good lads on loan last year and we've got some this year um, that have come from actual, like, you know, Bristol Rovers is a big one. We've got yeah. Wickham. Um, that, you know, you generally have these networks of clubs that you get on really well. We've got a lad at the minute um, who I get in, Adulai Sambu from Cheltenham. Um, he was mm. at step four last year and scored a lot of goals. Um, so, you know, I brought him in and I am seeing that the level is going up and, and clubs are actually more willing to, to, even though, you know, they're at a good level, to then bring them down. Um, so yeah, no, um, yeah, I've definitely seen a rise in terms of um, ability there. So you, you've touched on your USP a couple of times. If yeah. you were to summarise that, you know, and say, you know, this is you pitching to other clubs almost, but it's, it's going, you know, what does Luke bring, and what <laughs> is his USP? You know, what? Why would we um, get him in next as our next head of recruitment? You know, and it's no disrespect to Hungerford. It's not saying anything about them, but you are a, a, an ambitious young man. You will be looking in the future mm. at future opportunities. Um, so it is that opportunity to say, okay, well, what could we expect from Luke? So what what do yeah. you say your USP is? You've touched on getting younger players in as a start. What else is there that you you, you sort of hang your hat on? So obviously, you know, I, I am still working on my usp in terms of trying to develop um but yeah i'd just say just just clever recruitment um just clever intelligent well thought strategized recruitment you know i love i love a, a young ethos i love giving them a chance um just generally I, I know i've got i know i've got an eye for it i know um, what i'm looking for i know the technical and tactical um parts of, of football um but yeah just minim minimizing the gamble minimizing the risk and uh and you know getting the reward out of it you know i've already proven that i almost kept hungerford up from a near impossible position in january where we couldn't even buy a goal um and in the league where we were we were punching above our weight um all the lads i've brought in have always had a big big impact um especially last year again this year we're not quite performing but again yeah my usp is just myself the way i think um the way i reduce the gamble strategy on recruitment um again I love investing in young players. I love giving them a chance. And my whole ethos is built around the way Peterborough do theirs, you know, actually getting young players from, from non-league, giving them a platform, giving them a chance, um, giving them the right environment um, to thrive in. It's obviously... It's meant... Yeah, go on. Sorry, Dave. Let me just... No, uh, no, carry on. I was going to talk about so Peterborough in a minute. You've got um, this, this film Moneyball, which is obviously, yeah. you know, used in other sports. Uh, you know, and I think it was baseball at the time. And Brentford adopted this sort of money ball policy in football. So there is this sort of science side to it, isn't there? Because they, and you even look at Brighton now, some of their recruitment is second mm. to none where they're finding players from to yeah. then perform at this top, top level. So when you think about the science that's being applied, what sort of things should our listeners be aware of and saying well this is what people are using i know you said transfer room as a platform but is there other stuff that exists that yeah. you know clubs uh, are accessing and how how does that look how you know give us some insights there so for most in terms of technology there's not there's actually not a whole lot obviously transfer room is a big one because it allows players to list players and you can look to see who's available doesn't necessarily give you like up-to-date stats and, and massively Obviously, Y Scout and Instat are, are a huge one that I've used, and it, and it gives you like progressive passes, completed passes, gives you um, 
expected goals, you know, chance created, etc. So teams like Brighton will look at this like dribbles completed and they'll match it up um, with their philosophy. You know, each team has a philosophy of how they want to play and that's how they recruit players. So if they say they want a wide man, they might look at, um, they might go for a traditional winger that's how many take-ons, um, what's their average positioning, you know, what's their expected goals a game, etc. You know, and that's that's where probably Matoma comes from. You know, they look at leagues where everyone else doesn't look at. So, you know, the, the Japanese league, the Chinese league, could be Saudi mm. Arabia league. You know, not a lot of these Man United's and that are going to be looking at that. You know, Man United's and Chelsea's, etc. want proven because they're trying to minimise the gamble and the risk because that's that's what they do. You know, if they brought Matoma for two mil, you imagine what the fans, you know, what the fans would think. And, you know, mm. but again, two million for Brighton. If he flops, he flops. Who's going to know about him? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. when you're in these lower clubs, you, you get less attention and, and you can actually produce that but yeah again probably looked in the Japanese league in terms of expected goals is progressive passes position on the pitch you know that, that it would just fit their philosophy that's just what clubs clubs generally look for and you know data is a big driving force in that they can analyze the data on what they look for in terms of their philosophy so hmm. yeah that's is that's, that linked to you know a player's packing numbers you know so what their scores are for packing. Because I know when I do assessments of uh, professional football scholars in pro clubs, they yep. will have packing scores in, in relation to their position and what they're expected to do. And it's a big motivating factor for a player to try and go, I'm comparing my packing numbers to another player yep. who might be in my position. So is that sort of data out there? Is that shared or is clubs keeping that in-house and making sure that no one else knows about their packing numbers until they release it if they're looking to move someone on, Sell I suppose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think a lot of it is obviously, you know, your Wisecat Instat is all, all there for everyone to see um, and you have general stats like that. But then obviously if you produce your own data in-house, you know, that, that won't be shared. You know, I'm sure Brighton have a recruitment strategy and where they look at certain data numbers and, and put it all together um and then they're obviously not going to recruit that because they obviously know it's a winning formula um so they're not gonna but like you said when they're trying to get people out they'll go oh this is his data compared to his data and like mm. transfer room do it right so if you say oh i want a i want a, obviously national south right it will compare his stats to the average national south stats in the league so like progressive passes it will say oh whoever whoever you're trying to get from the, on loan from a league one team it will say or his stats are actually better than the National League South average. And, it, and that everyone can kind of see that data. Um, so, again, that's something that you look at and go, oh, okay, he's actually probably playing the, the league above. But if we get him, that's mm. a hell of a coup, right? So, yeah, it's kind of out there at times. But, again, players will probably, clubs will probably do their in-house data um, away from everyone else and, and secretly, I'm sure. Has that got like a filtering system on it? So you can go, I'm looking for people in this range. So you can you know quickly get to the type of players that you're looking for yeah yeah so you can obviously ah, if you perfect. want a striker that's yeah. a striker's got, got expected goals or something you can filter it and stuff it's pretty good but the problem is not every club signed up to it and it wasn't always yeah, a right. popular platform yeah. i think it's still in you know it's still in transformation like ischamp prem you can't use it so when as soon as we got relegated they kind of was like oh you know you're not not in that league anymore but yeah, I think a lot of teams haven't always signed up for it or don't always list players on there, etc. But it is a useful tool, and it's probably one of the only tools out there at the moment which is pretty which is pretty useful because mm. uh, obviously Instat and Wisecout don't really have that USP. It doesn't really do that, so it's not what it's for. So 
it is a really good tool and hopefully it will grow and it, it does help clubs because you don't always know who's available for loan or or you know you don't really want to sit there adding up stats all day every day you know it's time consuming so if you've got a thing mm. that does it whether other people can see it um yeah it's a it's, it's a useful tool and hopefully i'm sure it will, it will continue to grow so uh, like that conversation there, I just uh, these are the type of conversations I always had with friends when I was playing Championship Manager. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, like you can filter like the players. Like uh, it's crazy. Uh, obviously, Championship Manager is based on the real thing, and we're talking about the real <laughs> thing here. But that's the kind of conversation that we used to. I used to have. It's it's uh, yeah. It's 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 crazy. I think. But I suppose we've given you quite a grilling. Like <laughs> some yeah, of the questions. Right. We've given you quite a, you know, it's been a bit like a job interview. Uh, but what <laughs> I wanted to, what I wanted to jump back to was obviously you mentioned around um, you, you supporting uh, Peterborough, yeah. um, and obviously um, you know you know a lot about them. But obviously, comparing you to, I suppose, someone quite well known at Peterborough that uh, I suppose probably brings a different mentality to finding new players. And, uh, and, you know, I'm talking about Barry Fry here. Obviously, like, his <laughs> wheeler dealing yeah, yeah. that he's quite known for. Is that, uh, I suppose, this is more of a tongue-in-cheek question, but has has the, has the Barry had an impact on your career up to, to, to date, would you say? All I can say is there is only one Barry Fry. Like, the guy <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Like, he's, he is one character. Um Again, it's, he's actually a guy I look up to. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's a different mm. side where, yeah, he is kind of in the recruitment industry, but he's almost like a, like you said, a wheeler dealer, like a buyer, yeah. like a salesman, isn't he? Like he pitches people, yeah. he pitches them the idea, he, he makes, he, he thrashes out a deal. You know what I mean? He, he's clever in that in that regard. And I'm not sure, obviously, how much he, he does in terms of recruitment. I know he does quite, yeah. he used to do quite a lot, but again, he, he's in charge of more making the deals happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, he is definitely someone I look up to. Um, you know, the, the, the owner of Peterborough as well, Darrell McAnthony, he's, uh, mm. he, he brings a freshness because he's very open with the fans. You know, he has Twitter, he has social media. Um, yeah. I actually listen to his podcast all the time. So obviously he talks about what's going on with Peterborough. He talks yeah. about incomings, outcomings. He talks about agents. He talks about how deals get done, um, you know, stuff like that. And he just talks about the team in general, about how they're performing. I just think it's, it's something that I really enjoy and it's something that I feel like football should be more open. Um, and and yeah, I feel like that's that's just something I, I really enjoy. You know, they clearly have a recruitment system that they've had for years and years, mm. and, it, and they're still doing it, and it's still working. And you know, clubs are now looking at Peterborough, going, "Oh, well, if he's in Peterborough and he's doing well, and they got him from there, it's yeah. totally decent." You know, like the the other day, I listened to a podcast, and Peterborough went in for a player, um, and they were they were thinking about selling him to us, and then they thought, "Oh, well, if Peterborough are in for our player, he must be good, so we're going to keep him." Yeah. You know, that's just yeah. the level of respect that they're now getting. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, it's just something that I always looked at Peterborough and admired, and it's something that mm. has made me have a love of recruitment or helped the love certainly. And I, and you know, kind of jokingly, I'm assuming um, Barry Fry isn't really using LinkedIn. I, I'm assuming <laughs> you probably don't even know what LinkedIn is. To be fair, he's, but... he's old school. Isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. What he must, if you said LinkedIn to him, he's thinking it's like, yeah. it's like I don't know. It's just, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I just I yeah. can't imagine what he thinks about it. I, um, yeah. But you're right. Like, um, yeah, it, and I, I suppose. And you, I don't know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but like a club like Peterborough, I think there's parallels in terms of kind of recruitment for them in that 
although I suppose where Hungerford are, there is other clubs around there. But uh, I'm not saying there isn't that, you know, I'm not saying uh, Peterborough in a desert in terms of other clubs, but there isn't a huge amount of other clubs in that area. So they must find it hard to pull players into that area, which obviously the same as what you have at Hungerford, but it's, it's just similar sort of traits, I suppose, because it's just, if you think, I suppose you, you're not with that, with Peterborough, you're not that, not that far out of London, but it's just, it's on that East part. And as you know, for where you are in North, we're originally from Norfolk. It's, it's an area of the country that not many people yeah. go to or, or, or are that familiar with really. You know, you know what it is. And I'll summarize it in one word, reputation. You know, they mm. now have a reputation of bringing these yeah. players in and giving them that platform and selling them off. You know, to yeah. players that's attractive now. So if you get an offer from the championship, like, I don't know, I just mm. thought of saying, yeah. Um, and you get an offer from Peterborough, a lot of players will actually double think now and go, okay, I'll probably be on less money at Peterborough. However, they're going to give me a platform and mm. you know, know that they're a buy and sell club and they'll, they'll happily give me a platform. I'll do well and they'll sell me on because clearly, you know, coaching behind the scenes, obviously making them better players, um, something around the club um, just means. So, yeah, just reputation. Now they've built that. It takes time to build. Mm. Players just look at that and go, that's a huge pulling power now. Yeah, it's it's a good point. I suppose the last question I have with Peterborough is, when will Darren Ferguson be uh, managing them again? <laughs> How many times has he been the manager? He's still there now. He's there now again. Is he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's still there. What's it, four times? Been back three, four times? It's been back a few times. Yeah, yeah. Now, isn't he? yeah. It's like there can't be many managers that have managed that many times at one club. But, it's uh, funny, actually, because I was sat next to him or the other day, or not sat next to him, but he was mm. literally sat in front of me. So I went to a scout because obviously I'm a scout for Stockport as well. I do stuff for them. Um, yeah. I went to the Portsmouth game, Portsmouth Peterborough in the uh, the cup game. And yeah, he was, I think he got sent off. I don't know if he got sent off or what, but he was in the stands and he was literally sat like two rows in front of me. And to me, it was like a pinch me moment because it's like, this is like, this is mad. Like, I feel like I got like imposter syndrome. Like, I'm still <laughs> yeah. getting used to it. Like Stockport's wigs, it gives me more opportunities to scout higher level and kind of learn that mm. side so yeah it's kind of a pinch me moment knowing he's in front of you and you're like getting all shy like oh my god oh my god i should do it but like i'm loving this so yeah no that was i just thought i'd throw that in there but yeah that was that was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I um i did a, a player care course and i don't know if you've ever done that or thought about that luke but one of the big things with player care was the recruitment and how they settle someone in at that higher level you know, so one of our future guests is uh, the, the the director of the player care group. And they talk about when they bring someone from overseas, how it's so important to help them settle as quick as possible and get mm -hmm. them, you know, hitting the ground running. And I suppose with you at Stockport and getting that greater coverage in and around players at a more senior level, um, do you see player care and recruitment intrinsically linked? Is that something that you've come across? Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so obviously there's a, a lot of clubs um, employ player liaisons these days. So obviously they're in charge of all player care. So when, so obviously it's difficult, right? Because well, it's different. So when you're a fan, you don't see that side of it. You just see like players mm -hmm. coming in. You don't see they have to move the whole family. You don't see that some people come from argentina and don't speak a word of english you don't see that yeah. side you just see as oh a player come in you know it's not like it's fifa and it's just like that and it's that easy people don't see that 
Mm. Uh, so yeah, it is it is massive now in football that you know you have these player care and you have the mental health first aiders and you have all this because you know it is tough for people to adjust. You know, it's it's different because the last year or two, like my headspace has changed from a fan perspective to now working in football perspective, and it's so totally different the way you view it. You know, yeah. like when you like when Peterborough as a fan, like when the, a player didn't work out, it was like. Oh, bloody rubbish. Why are they recruited in? But then when you see from a recruitment point of view, you're not going to get it right 100%. It's just not what it's about. You know, mm. and with player care, it's like you said, it's it's tough. And they do have these player liaisons now. And it is kind of become more popular because it is difficult. You know, they have to help find them houses. And some of them signed for clubs and they haven't even moved house. So mm. like Harry Kane, for instance, gone to Germany and his family is still living in the UK until he finds a house. So you know, he's now living away from his family, I'm sure, and, and doesn't see him as much. You know, people don't see that side. He's now got to learn a new language. And, you know, there are, is all these factors that play into to players moving. And, and yet, it's, mental health is definitely a, a big thing. I mean, um, at Man City, they've got 11 staff in their player care team. Yeah. So it, it's absolutely huge in relation to how yeah. do we embed these players as quickly as possible? Yeah. And there's companies out there that offer a concierge service where they're on 24-7. You know, yeah. if a player needs something, it's it's there to help them settle in as, as much. And that's obviously the elite end where money is virtually no object. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, again, with recruitment, you've got to juggle all these balls in a way to try and go, right, OK, I can't just be wearing one hat. I've got to have several mm. sort of hats to try and make sure that I'm not just looking at it from a tech tech or a psychological and uh, social perspective. I've also yeah. got to think about if the guy's got a family, if they ever got a family, how do I embed them? Yeah. And also now the growth of women's football. Um, mm. What are you seeing in that pathway? Are you seeing the same sort of investment? Is that a route that you would go down yourself? You know, the, the female side of the game? So women's football's tough. It, it does interest me because obviously it's clearly growing. Um, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in that, and the standards is going to get better and better and better. But I feel like the infrastructure is now in place. But the problem is, it will take a fair few years to actually see the growth. So, you know, the women's um, top league or the Premier League or whatever that there it is um, is a really good standard of football. But you feel like there's such a big drop off when it goes down and down and down. Yeah. Whereas the men's pyramid, there's that pyramid's built over time where the standard doesn't drop off so much. Um, so I feel like it's going to take a few years, but, you know, me and Sammy actually had this, this discussion and, you know, I'm not opposing women's football and recruiting in women's football. I, I would take any opportunities I'm given and, you know, I'd appreciate, you know, if I went to women, Chelsea women's, you know, I wasn't going to turn mm. it up to animal. But the yeah. problem is when you go into women's football, it's like you get lost and there's not really a pathway back into men's. You're not really sure when you go into women's football, how you're then going to slot back into men's or at what level you'd slot back in. So, you know, if I went to someone, oh, I'm, I'm Chelsea women's head of recruitment, you know, what clubs would then look at that and go, oh, yeah, like, it's done yeah. really well. Do, you know, do actual Premier League or championship teams look at women's recruitment or women's managers and go, oh, OK, let's get them in. Let's give them a go. Because they don't know where that level's at. And that's quite, yeah. not quite clear. Like Sam has even said, you know, you could go in and be a coach at women's championship Premier League. But it's coming back across to men's because, you know, men's football that's, is the pinnacle. Um, you know, I'm probably not going to get paid as much as I'm a woman, Chelsea women's, etc. And, you know, always want to strive to get to the highest point. And the Premier League is the highest, right? So, yeah, you know, until you see that the pathway works, you know, until you see that men's 
uh, men's football is actually diving into women's football in terms of coaches and recruitment and players, or well, not players, but coaches and, and recruitment and staff, then it, it's definitely a tough one because um, you don't want to almost get, not trapped there, but you know what I mean? So you want to make sure that your pool of opportunity is as big as possible. That makes a lot of sense. And, and, it, and to be honest, I think you've been very honest about that because I think some people may not have kind of come out with they came with something a bit more diplomatic yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm and not. i think that yeah i think that <laughs> i think you're right i think i think it's a fear for play uh for anyone going into women's football as you say that route out is it's yeah. just not necessarily that clear i suppose it may be a little bit different if you've started in women's football you can then uh, from there but yeah no it's 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 a tough one isn't it um i suppose it brings us nicely then um to kind of we always like to ask our guests about the future so <laughs> i suppose what let's say in the next five what well, like in five years time where do you where do you see yourself really i'd like to see myself as um you know definitely in football in full in full time in recruitment um mm. i'd like to see myself you know in a championship maybe league one side as a, as a either not necessarily head of recruitment, but as long as I'm involved mm. in a full-time capacity, that's where I want to see myself because, you know, that is ultimately where my career lies. And I know head of recruitment for a League One, League Two or Championship is a very, very big step. You know, you have to yeah. go in the club and prove yourself. But I just want a job in, in, in you know, my next step would definitely be full-time in a, in a job, whether it's a even just as a technical scout in the background yeah. and then show what I can do and just work my way out. That's, that's you know, that's the level for me. Um, that's where I, I definitely see myself and I do know that I will get there at some point. Because I think these technical director roles are, are very big at the moment as well. So if you look at Dan Ashworth at Newcastle, obviously he worked at the FA for a long time and there's a course out there that they're doing, isn't there? Um, a lot of these technical directors. So I, I think, uh, is that something that would align with what you're doing or aspirations? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll consider any roles, to be fair, as long as I'm in. I feel like when sometimes when you're a scout, you almost get lost in the background. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you're head of recruitment, it's nice because the whole recruitment strategy and everything, um, you can have more more of a involvement in the process. Mm. So, again, like technical directors and, and head of recruitment, they, they have more of an involvement and it's, you know, you have more of a decision to make. When you're a scout, you kind of, you're part of the process, but you're kind of more minute in the process. So obviously you want to be in, as involved as possible. So, you know, it's definitely a role that I would really, be, really be interested in because I feel like I've got a lot to give and I, I, the more involved I am, you know, to me, there's no better feeling than recruiting a player and it comes off and they do really well, especially a young player, because you know, you give them that opportunity, you know, you know, doing well and you know that your recruitment strategy has been right. So, you know, that's the feeling that you strive for is when you're in recruitment, whether you're a technical director or head of recruitment or even a scout, you know, even just a, being part of the process. I know it's only minute and you want to be more involved. But, yeah, you know, it's it's always tough when you're a technical director and head of recruitment. You're the one making the decision. So you have more responsibility, but you also have more of the uh, more of the blame on on you. So. And the firing line. Yeah. 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 So mm. it's a definitely a tough one to juggle, juggle in it. So, yeah, no, brilliant. So uh, we always ask, um, I guess, for a quote or statement or even a poem that we had recently yeah, um, that nice they fun. live by. Um, is there, you know, something that drives you? 
Um, so yeah, this is going to be a bit more of a um, sentimental one. So something that drives me is that I, I lost my sister last year in February. Mm -hmm. um, so something I always live by is is losing her, and it's something that is always close to me because I always live by you know what life's taken away from her. You know I, I want to give back. Mm -hmm. um, so I do actually have a quote on my arm. Okay. Um, so the biggest blessing in my life is to have you as my sister. You have made me the person that I am. You, um, oh, you have made me work as hard as I do for what life has taken away from you. You know, I live by that quote all the time. So, you know, I work as hard as I do because of what, what life's taken away from my sister. So I feel like I'm doing it for two rather than one. So, you know, going to university, you know, something she always wanted to do. And, you know, even losing her at the time when I was still studying was something that got me through. And it's something that makes me want to work harder because I feel like I'm living life for two people. So, even though she wasn't massively in football, so she probably don't really care. Um, it's yeah. something that when you lose someone, you know that, you know, it makes you work harder. And I, I use the grief not as something that drags me down, but something that actually pushes me up and, and motivates me more. And oh, I wow. Yeah, that's an <laughs> inspirational one there, Dave, to, to, to have, isn't yeah. it? You know, um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still raw by the sounds and, um, yeah. it, you know, but what a, what a motivation, you know, to yeah. to say I, I want to make sure that my sister lives vicariously through me, sort of thing. You yeah. know, I mean, she lives on, sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I really like that one. I think that's um, you know powerful, really powerful. Mm. And, considering and you know sometimes yeah. we can have a quite a glib quote. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's quite a powerful one. Thank you for and, that. But I think it's also worth mentioning as well that if your sister was was with you now she, I, and if she's looking down which i imagine she is she'd be very proud of what you've already achieved i know it, it, it like from what you said you're at the start of the journey yeah. but from what you've said and kind of all the things you've been doing i can see that journey continuing for a very long time and i think you're only going to be more and more successful as you go along so i think both me and simon with which wish you luck if i can say it yeah. um in your future endeavors but from yeah. what you've just described to us and, and all the things you've mentioned i think you've got the tools really to succeed so uh yeah i think i think you're gonna go far thank you gentlemen i i, I really appreciate that um i know obviously i probably brought the podcast down a little bit dropping that uh, dropping that bomb in there but um no no, no. really it's fantastic yeah, I, really appreciate, I appreciate it and i appreciate you guys um having me on um but yeah you know i'm just Wait. being honest from the heart so <laughs> The other, the other bit on that is we've got a time in now, Dave, for when he is uh, a big, massive. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're you got to come back on the pod. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to come back on. Don't forget yeah, your so... friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't let you down, like, Two free tickets. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You'll be getting calls, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, Luke, just want to say thank you very much. Yeah, it, to yeah. me, you know, I work in mental health, mental health first aid. I never see it as that. It is all perception, yeah. and I think living that way and reframing how grief should be looked or experienced mm -hmm. on is is vital and i think a lot of people who are in a similar position for you they won't obviously feel what you feel because that's a unique thing between you and your sister yeah. but if they've they, they've gone through grief hearing someone use that as a motivation rather than something that drags them down yeah. and they dwell on um in a negative way i think yeah. is a positive inspirational message to say look we will get kicked in the guts by life, but how we then use that 
you yeah. know, um, trauma, that difficulty, and how we then um, try to use it positively is powerful. And I think lots of people will really connect with that and say, you know what, thanks for sharing that because I, I may have been feeling a bit down about yep. the bereavement of my loved one, but hearing what you've said, it's just helped me reframe and see yep. I can use this as a positive. So no, I really appreciate you sharing that yep. because it, it takes a lot for someone when you're with strangers, you don't know us, you know, to then share that. I think that that's, mm. uh, that's a really great thing. So, um, I just want to say thank you very much for coming yeah, on. As you. usual, we're looking at the time. It's seven o'clock, you know. It, it, it whizzes <laughs> by, doesn't it? It whizzes oh, by. Um, so thanks very much for your time. We'll definitely yep. be looking out for hunger for the results and <laughs> yeah. uh, seeing how you get on. And also Stockport County. We never really yeah. spoke about them no. as much. Um, I suppose your head of recruitment role is is at Hungerford at the moment and the scouting role uh, is at Stockport. So just want to wish you all the best yep. and, um, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll fondly look on uh, how your career develops as you go forward and tap you up for tickets in the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks very much, gentlemen. You're always welcome at Hungerford, but hopefully next time we speak, I might be uh, climbing the ladder. You never know. So. Yeah. Well, no I'm problem sure at all. Be. I'm sure you will be. Thanks for that. Thanks Cheers, for Luke. On. All the best. All the best. Thank you.